What's up, everybody? This is Seabass from Rocket with Seabass, and I am here today with a very cool guitar player. His name is Nicky Star, or we should call him Nick Tyree. That's me. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you doing? I'm pretty good, man. It's I know it's been a bit and everything. You still rocking out? Yeah, as much as possible. You know, we actually just uh, the that arena rocks just got a bunch of shows. Um, they're not on the schedule yet, but they will be when this posts. But uh, we're pretty excited that we're going to have quite a few shows over the next month and a half. So yeah, trying to rock out as much as possible. Well, I look forward to the next show. I'll I'll yeah. try to be there. Yeah. But you know, I wanted you to come down here. I wanted to you know get to know you more. Yeah. Because you know I've seen you play so many times. And I'm pretty sure people are very curious, you know, what, how you started, you know, how many bands you've been in. I've heard you've been in a lot of bands, actually. Yeah, yeah, I've been uh, more bands than I can probably think of at the moment. Uh, yeah, been quite a few bands. So what, well, what made you want to play guitar? When I was growing up, I think it actually all starts when I was in the womb. <laughs> my uh, mom, when she was pregnant, my dad would sing Detroit Rock City into her uh, belly. And every time that, uh, you know, he did that, I would kick. So uh, I think it was just given that I was going to be musical growing up. Like my whole family, nobody's really musical. I think I have a cousin that's a singer, but that's about it. And my dad was just a huge music fan. And um, growing up, you know, I was I would always come out and, and to the living room and he'd be sitting there uh, watching Kiss videos or bootlegs, whatever you call them. And I was just enamored by, you know, the production and just how cool it looked that, you know, I wanted to do that. So when I was younger, I would go into my room, I would turn on, you know, Kiss Alive, I'd put on a black wig, I'd grab a broom or something and a mic stand and, and just act like I was in Kiss and, uh, you know, who knew one day that, you know, I'd actually get to experience that for, you know, in real life, you know, so it's <laughs> so pretty cool. So I do take that uh, Ace Frehley was one of your favorite guitar players, one of your influences. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Ace Frehley, Angus Young, they were all, you know, huge, huge influences on me. I was just, like I said, just watching those videos, I just kind of fell in love with it. Then came a time where I was like 13 or 14, and some of my friends around school were starting to get, you know, guitar lessons. And I, I asked my mom if I could get lessons, so we, we went over to Willis Music over in uh, Northgate Mall. And uh, I went and got lessons there. Uh, probably did it for about a couple weeks. And I was like, nah, I'm done. I, I can't get the hang of this, right? So um, then maybe a year later, I'm like, okay, I really want to, you know, pursue this. So my mom, you know, went and got me lessons again. And uh, I stuck with it. And I kept getting better and better. And then I finally got to the point, maybe after six months, that I just started learning tab, which are basically, if you're a guitar player, you know what I'm talking about. But they basically are on the online. You can download these tabs and they show you how to play guitar um, without having like an instructor as long as you already know how to do bar chords or whatever. And uh, so, yeah, I just started learning those and me and, you know, friends would get together and play guitar. Uh, that's kind of how I learned. I should have probably stuck around a little longer with the lessons. I'd have probably been a better guitar player. I don't know, man. I mean, you don't, I don't think you need any more lessons. I've seen you play so many times. You got those <laughs> solos down. Yeah, it's, it's taken a lot of practice. But, uh, you know, if I'd have stuck with the lessons, I think, I could have probably been better, but, um, well, like Steve Vai better, uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah. That guy, the, the guitar teacher I had was really, really good. Um, he just got to the point where he was like teaching me brown eyed girl and stuff like that. And I'm like, man, I don't want to learn this. I want to learn Detroit rock city. I want to learn, you know, shake me by Cinderella. And, uh, I think he, looking back, he obviously knew what I needed to be learning versus me just wanting to learn what I wanted at that quick moment. Cause those songs actually teach you how to, do different things on the guitar than just bar chords or whatever that uh, 80s rock songs you know tend to uh, use right well going going off from what you said with you know learning how to play the guitar throughout your childhood and all that you know you being in a band right now but yeah. again i said before you were in a lot of other bands yeah what was the first like band that you were in and how did that happen um the first band i was in was called falling behind and um we so I was in I was in school and I remember sitting in the cafeteria just having lunch and uh, this guy comes up to me he's like hey man I heard you can you can play guitar would you want to try out for our band and I'm like holy crap like an actual band I could be in a band this could be awesome so I was like yeah sure so you know I went and uh, tried out for that band and got the gig and uh, so that led to us playing our first show which was at the Underground in Fairfield Ohio. Oh, nice. Um, it's not around anymore. but I've heard it, about it. Yeah. And uh, that was January 29th, 2005. So I guess I've been doing this for 15 years. 
and uh, I remember there was there's probably like a hundred people there, and dude, I was uh, <laughs> I was scared, I was nervous as could be, right? First time ever doing it, you know, and I literally stood in one spot the entire show. So <laughs> if you know anything about me now, that's completely different. But that show specifically. I was just a freaking tree, so <laughs> just they're like a tree playing the playing this. Well, I'm song, pretty so. sure you learned quite a bit during that experience, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So after that, um, you know, I, we filmed it, so I watched it, and I'm like, oh, I hate that I'm just standing there the whole time. So you know, through that band, I learned you know a little bit to to move. That that band uh, probably lasted maybe six months or something like that, six months to a year, and uh, which led to the next band I was going to be in. Uh, I met this kid that could sing named Joe Borger, and uh, we wanted to do a, a song for the talent show at our school. And so we learned TNT by ACDC. Oh, nice. So it was me, Joe, and uh, I think we had a drummer and a bass player. So yeah, Daniel was on drums, and, and the bass player was uh, Matt. So yeah, we did that song. It was fun. And the second night, I, I remember telling him, like, guys, I'm going to go out into the crowd and like, you know, play because I had a wireless. And uh, so I was like, I'm going to go out in the crowd and it's going to be cool. <laughs> so we did that. And uh, looking back, the performance was not very good. But, you know, I was probably 14, 15 years old when that was going on. Oh, so. come on. You jumped into the stage in high school. Yeah, come yeah. On. I'm jumping off the stage in high school. So, <laughs> so, uh, so what, were you guys like a cover band? So? Uh, yeah, we just we just wanted to do a song because our school, which was Northwest High School, they had a, uh, a big theater almost type room so there would you know had a big stage with all these seats and uh you know it just reminded me of like taft theater or something like that so i'm like you know as while i'm up there i just wanted to live that dream of being able to play a big show like that where the you know the whole crowd was was there it's probably two or three hundred people there and uh so we had fun with that and that ended up leading into a band that me and that singer put together called rosewire and uh we basically formed that band to to perform at a battle of the bands that the underground was hosting so it was basically like this battle where like you know four or five bands would go head to head and we actually did pretty good in it the, the band kind of sounded like an uh we were, our biggest inspiration was a band called silver tide which they were like black crows meets acdc kind of a thing oh nice which is what we tried to do so again if i meant if i didn't mention it that that was at the underground and you'll see through this entire story that i have the underground played a really, really big role in my whole musical thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyways, so we, we did that, and uh, I think we ended up getting like, we got all the way to the fourth round, and there were five rounds, right? And uh, we ended up losing in the fourth round, so we didn't ah, make it to the fifth round. But So close. Yeah, we did a lot of really cool things. Um, it was kind of like the popular thing to do at school, to go hand out flyers, get all your friends to come and support you and stuff like that. And uh, funny story from that band, was I would like again would pass out all these flyers right and uh, ended up passing them out to uh, the woman that is now my wife. So she came to that show, and uh, you know I didn't think anything of it. I'm I'm just you know thinking music, you know, being in, being in a band. And she texts me after one of those shows and just said, uh, you know, hey, this is Cynthia, and um, ended up talking to each talking to each other a little more and more, and and, and ended up. She became my girlfriend, and that was, you know, what, 2005. Again, been with her for 15 years, which is crazy to think. But, uh, but yeah, so that led to, you know, me and her, you know, being husband and wife, you know, later down the road, which is which is kind of cool. Congratulations. But yeah, thank you. Thank you. Again, at the Underground in Fairfield. <laughs> so, yeah, from that band, um, I met these guys that were in a band called American Hardcore around Cincinnati. I remember me and my dad, we went to go see L.A. Guns and Dokken at Annie's. And we walked in, and they this band called American Hardcore was playing. And we were like, who are these dudes, you know? So we uh, we, we went up to the stage, and it was like, just, man, these guys are great. So we bought their CD and, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, that was at Annie's when, where we went to see them. So we, we really enjoyed them. We for Somehow, we ended up getting to the point where we were like, I think it was actually MySpace at the time. Huh. I was MySpace, MySpace friends with all of them. Right? What's MySpace? So, yeah. Um, that band was Jim Rogers, uh, Dean Alexander, Todd Charles, and Ryan Cady, which all played a really big role in what I do now with being a, a musician that plays out. Because 
uh, if it wasn't for Dean reaching out to me when he was getting ready to start his band, his other band, I, I probably wouldn't even be talking to you right now. Mm-hmm. So when you got in with him, he let you into the band. Like, did you think that the, this band was going to be the one that's going to be big or something? Yeah. Like- so I, I loved American hardcore. I thought they were really, really cool. And, uh, I guess they ended up breaking up. The singer and the drummer left the band, oh. and which I was bummed about because I thought all four of them were really, really cool. And the singer ended up coming to see one of our shows, one of our Rosewire shows oh, nice. at uh, the Underground. Okay. And we ended up talking. I think it was over MySpace or something. And he asked if I would be interested in trying out for his his new band he's putting together. And I was just like, what? Like at that time, I was playing the Underground. And I was playing you know, smaller type venues and stuff like that. So when he asked that, I'm like, oh my God, like I'll be playing places like Annie's and places like, you know, Top Cats and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, did they consider you like the top guitarist in that underground? Uh, I mean, you seemed like you were pretty well known in the underground. Uh, at the underground, we were uh, a popular band. I don't know that I was like a popular guitarist. Like we, I was still just like the rhythm guitar player in that band. I played a lead or two in, in Rose Wire, but we had a really good lead guitar player that was in our band. So I, I don't know how he thought of me, but it was cool that he did. And uh, so I had to learn all these leads that like were way above anything I knew how to play. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to learn all these leads and that band was called Planet Scream. Planet Screen. That's yeah. a nice name. Yeah, yeah. How'd you guys come up with that one? I didn't come up with that. Uh, that was. I think he had a band at the time. Dean had a band a long time ago called Planet Scream. So he just resurrected that name. Ah. So we just went with that, and we played some of the American hardcore songs that that they had, and then we played some of the Planet Scream songs, and we played Annie's, which there's a funny story about that first show there. Oh yeah, tell me about it. Yeah. So I. Uh, I got this new amp. I got this like all this new equipment. I got this new outfit I'm gonna wear, right? And I'm like so excited because it's gonna be my first time playing in a venue that I've always was like that would be so cool to play there. And <laughs> uh, the show starts, and about three songs in, my guitar goes out. <laughs> oh no! Oh <laughs> yeah. no! And uh, <laughs> so we had to, you know, s- you know, wiggle some things around. We finally got it, okay, and and it, and it's going. Maybe two or three more songs, my pants rip right in my crotch. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, look, that, that happens. Yeah. I mean, when I was a dancer from at my school, yeah, I was dancing. <laughs> pants dropped, so I understand your pain. Yeah. So it was literally like I got we got through the show and it went I think it went okay. And I remember sitting there at the end of the night like, Oh my gosh, everything went wrong. <laughs> but um uh, but yeah, it was it was fun, and uh, that band probably lasted uh, maybe six months to a year or something like that. Right. And um, we did some more cool stuff. We played at Top Cats, which is a place down on Short Vine in Cincinnati. Uh, they actually just brought it back. Another funny story. I was 16 at the time, and me and my girlfriend at the time, um, Cynthia, we uh, when we loaded into that place, we had to go hide in the bathroom Uh-oh. while they checked IDs. Oh, and no. uh, we had to go hide in the bathroom. And then when everybody was checked in, we came back down and just stayed inside so that they wouldn't uh, check, you know, the put X's on my hand or whatever, whatever it was. I don't think you were allowed to be in that venue if you were under 21. So, oh, yeah. No. So we, <laughs> you snuck in. So basically, we, they snuck me in to play the show. Oh, and, that uh, is hilarious. Yeah. So, like, when you got out to the place and you not being marked, like, were you like doing this? Oh yeah, we were we were like <laughs> we were like sitting hand. at a table, just kind of like putting our hands under our you know, uh, you know legs, and just kind of like hoping that they wouldn't say anything. And thankfully they didn't, and we still got to play the show. But uh, yeah, so that was That's a funny. that was a fun band. Eventually, Todd Charles, who was the drummer of that band, and Robbie Delore was the bass player of that band. And uh, funny story going into that band, my dad was real excited at first, right? He was like, "Oh, cool," and then couple months later you know maybe like a month later he was kind of like i don't know man i don't know about you playing with these older guys you know because i was 16 at the time and they're in their 30s and uh they oh come on in hey they, look rick allen was 15 yeah i think at the time you know they might have been partiers and stuff like that so my dad was like i don't know about this you know i don't know if we should uh my son should be playing in a band like this or whatever and um at one time i actually had to call him and tell him like guys i don't think i can do this and the bass player ended up calling me and, and talking to me for a little bit. His name's Robbie. 
and uh, he ended up kind of like just saying like, you know, trust me, I'll, I'll even talk to your dad. Like I'll, we'll, I'll watch your back. I'll make sure nothing happens to you. And he, he really did. He was a really great guy and he played a really big role in maybe somewhat the person I am today because he ended up getting me like a job oh, nice. at his place. Yeah. He ended up getting me a job working with him. And uh, so he ended up training me how to weld. So I ended up learning how to weld and be a welder. And uh, that I ended up having that job for like five years. And uh, he, he's always really good, uh, really good to me. And definitely thankful to have met him, you know, playing music and just in life in general, because he's just he's always a super cool dude. But do you still talk to him? Yeah, yeah, here and there. Um, we were in a band for so long. So from Planet Scream, uh, like I said, we lost our drummer. And then we got this guy named um, Sean Davidson. Sean Davidson now plays with uh, some some bigger bands. He was in a band called Twisted. He was in Static X. Uh, yeah, he was kind of he he kind of went to L.A. and made it. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So which is so cool. Very happy for him. But because we knew Sean, we uh, we had Sean play in the band, and basically that lasted maybe one or two shows. And uh, our singer ended up dropping out; he couldn't do it anymore. Uh, so we were a band without a singer. And the, I think the drummer went back to his band, which was a band called Eight Count. And well, yeah, he went back to Eight Count, and then we went back to playing with Todd Charles. And um, so we were looking for a singer. Well, the guys from Eight Count, the bass player and the drummer, which was Dean. Dean ended up going to play with Eight Count, which was the singer of Planet Scream. This is kind of like a all—it's all a small world, right? It's all connecting. It's all connected. And, and uh, uh, Eight, Eight Count—you told me a little bit about them. You showed mm-hmm. me a music video. Yeah, and you yeah. look pretty good in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Black yeah. hair to goatee. Oh yeah, and yeah. And they're like, "Holy cow, that's you! <laughs> that's totally you!" Yep. Uh, so, uh, how long were you in Eight Count? Uh, I think five years, but. How eight count got to be was Sean the drummer and Dean the bass player ended up playing bass for eight count. They moved to LA to go try to make it. Well, Sean ended up making it out there with some bands. So the singer of eight count, his guitar player also quit. So it was just him, right? He nice. needed a band, right? And Planet Scream kind of turned into this band that was going to try to find a new singer and we were going to come up with a new name. Uh, well, somehow, I, I can't remember exactly how, but. The singer of Eight Count got a hold of either my bass player or the guitar, other guitar player at the time, and he ended up coming down, and we just learned Eight Count songs, and we became Eight Count. <laughs> eight Count. Yeah. So uh, we did that, and then we wrote some some new songs, and it just kind of seemed to gel. Um, Jim Sayer is the, is the lead singer of Eight Count, and also another very uh, very awesome guy that uh, played a big role in and and probably who I am. He he taught me a lot about. Um, how to perform on stage uh he was really good with like if you ever pay attention to like the song order in a set or you know how to bring down a show to bring it up Mm -hmm. he taught me a lot about that he taught me a lot about like small things like a singer has a microphone stand right well a lot of singers will just go around and leave their microphone stands in the middle of the stage where it blocks people's view right right and he taught me that you know the singer needs to move that mic stand right he needs to move that mic stand out of the way so the fans can see it. And that is a huge thing. If you ever go watch uh, bands, some some bands don't pay attention to that. Right. And, and it's right there and it's blocking the view. Uh, I think it really depends on the what kind of band, too. I mean, I know ACDC, mm-hmm. Brian Johnson, he doesn't. He just picks up the mic. Yeah, he doesn't he really move cord, the mic. Right? But, yeah. you know, that kind of works for him. Mm-hmm. Um, bands like Poison, though, that kind of needs to work because I see Brett and Michael's always taking the mic stand. Yeah. And that, that I definitely see what you're saying. Yeah. You know? Or, or at least taking that mic stand and move it behind, behind to where you can get out and perform still. Right. Don't, don't leave it there to block the audience's view. So he, he taught me a lot about that little, those little kind of things. Right. You know? So it, it, that was really cool. And he just really taught me a lot about just being a decent person. He, he, uh, he had a he has got a faith he's got a faith that in in Christ that when I would see how he would um, react to things I was like damn like I need a faith like that you know I, I wish my faith was like that so he actually um, he made me want to learn more about uh, Jesus and stuff so I, I credit him as being the person that I seen his faith and was like wow I need I need faith like that oh, that's pretty cool that you know that you growing a faith with you know jesus christ um yeah i'm a faithful guy as well i, I believe in god very yeah. much and you know, that's pretty cool 
Um, so wait, well, how did he help you grow that faith in Jesus? I've always been, I've always believed in God. Um, you know, from, from when I was younger, you know, my dad taught me how to pray. So I would pray all the time. And what, what I think the, what I can remember being that moment that I seen Jim express was his niece who was like 10 years old. I believe it was his niece. Um, she was handicapped, right? She was like in a wheelchair and stuff like that. She ended up like dying one day. And I remember being on the phone with him. And uh, this isn't to say like he wasn't, um, you know, he, he wasn't uh, sad or something. It was just the faith that I, I was just so shocked by. He, he was talking to me. He was like, yeah, you know, my niece died or whatever. And I'm like, oh man, I'm really sorry to hear about that. I, I, that would, I would be so upset right now. And he was like, oh, I'll, I'll see her again. And I'm like, whoa, like, wow. Like, I don't know why my faith at the time wasn't like that to where I was just like so confident that, yeah, I'll see her again. But his was. And uh, that just like shocked me so much that I was just like, man, like I, I really need to dig deeper into this stuff and and understand why he thinks that way. Because that at the time, I didn't think that way. I believed in God, I, but I didn't know the stories in the Bible. I didn't technically know a lot about Jesus. I just knew of him, you know? Right. So, um, but yeah, after researching, like I can, I can align with him on, on stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, it was just, that was just something that, uh, I don't even know if he knows this, that he, he played a huge part in, in me growing my faith and no, wanting to know more. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty cool, you know, because I did, I did kind of stuff similar to this. I went around teaching people yeah. about how we will see our friends again, our families, yeah. Um, I did that for two years. Wow. Um, almost killed me, but yeah. you know, it was a good experience and, you know, I definitely respect you f- for, you know, growing your faith a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely means a lot. So, yeah. you know, God bless you for that, man. Seriously. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So, so you know, going off from your faith, you're in eight count, mm-hmm. you, you know, put out a song, um, on YouTube. I remember seeing it. Yeah. What was that song called again? That song was called Ashes to Ashes. We went and recorded... Um, like a five song EP with a guy named Rob Nadler down in Cincinnati. And, uh, so we recorded five songs. Well, we, this is a really cool story. So we, we had ashes to ashes. It was a song that we had written. Like it was like the first song we wrote together and it just happened to be a pretty cool song. And we, we had, uh, we had been talking about like, man, it'd be so cool if we could get a music video. Right. And I remember we would pray about it. We, cause at the, Eight Count was kind of like a Christian band. Like the lyrics were had a Christian undertones, mm-hmm. but uh, we weren't like, "Hey, we're a Christian band." We weren't like Striper. You know what I mean? Like, we were a rock band that had you know Christ-like uh, Christian, you know, lyrics. Christian yeah, Christian lyrics. lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> so we were, but again, we were praying about this, right? We were praying that uh, we could somehow get a music video done. And this is this is seriously happens. Like this band, this this two groups of guys. Uh, I think they were called Bare Bones Radio or Productions or something like that. They messaged our, again, I think it was MySpace, MySpace page. MySpace. And they, they were like, hey, can we film you guys doing, you know, record you live when when you guys are playing at, um, you know, I think we were playing this place called Dirty Jacks on Short Vine. Uh, or no, on Vine Street. That's a very interesting name. It's a very interesting place. I, I, see, I witnessed a drive-by loading oh. out at oh, that wow. place once yeah i bet that was scary it was different yeah um <laughs> well but uh that's yeah. an awkward moment right yeah there. <laughs> but so they filmed us playing live right and they like put it together to the 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 audio of our, our song and we were like wow that's really cool i wonder if they would be you know willing to do like an actual music video so my singer talked to them and they were like yeah we'd love to do that right we've got this little studio down here in lexington kentucky we could bring you guys down we could film you and all this kind of stuff and we were like okay awesome like you know at the time uh music videos five ten thousand dollars right now you could probably get one done for like 1500 bucks depending but on the still person. that's expensive right yeah, yeah yeah depending on the production well at that time just to do what we were doing was probably like a five or ten thousand dollar type thing that's a lot of money yeah so check it out how guess how much we paid for that i don't know man a thousand <laughs> we paid nothing Oh, it was free? They they wanted to do the music video for free. Consider yourself lucky on that one. I, I See, I, I look back and I think that was an answered prayer because at mm-hmm. the time, uh, again, it was a, a five or $10,000 expense that we would have never been able to afford. And 
at the time music having a band like ours having a music video was kind of a big deal because not a lot of other bands were doing that mm -hmm. so to me i always look back at it like that was an answered prayer that uh there nothing else really explains it other than we were praying for it and it actually happened you know? so uh, how popular did the music video get ah uh, i don't know it, it was um we, we put it we actually had like the CD release show and we actually played the video before we came on like on this big screen oh nice yeah it was pretty cool so then we put it on YouTube and I think it's got a few thousand hits on it I, I, I couldn't tell you how many it has on it that's um, still pretty good I mean yeah yeah and every once in a while I go back and watch it and uh, laugh at myself but <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but uh, it was cool but you know what I think it did is it helped us get shows that we probably wouldn't have been able to get right because a venue scene oh this band has a music video there they must be legit they must be serious yeah they must be serious so um yeah they they you know probably ended up getting us a lot of shows uh in that band and we got a lot of, we got a lot of shows that we opened for a lot of really really cool bands um saliva skid row uh actually there was a um the, the skid row show we played at mcguffey's in dayton and uh, snake dave sabo oh nice. he actually played my guitar on i remember you i had oh, to bring, really yeah i had to bring the because those bands will like they'll fly in and the venue has to provide all the equipment right uh -oh. so the guy from mcguffey's hit me up and he was like hey do you have an acoustic that we could use for skid row and i'm like yes <laughs> what kind of question is that yeah so uh yeah he used my guitar on on that and uh but we opened for a lot of bands like uh, Bullet Boys, Bang Tango. Bullet Boys. Yeah, wow. yeah. Um, Smooth up in ya. Yeah. Uh, trying to think of some of the other ones. Sick Puppies. We played with Sick Puppies at uh, Bogarts in Cincinnati. Yeah, a lot, a lot of really cool uh, national acts. Tell me some of the experiences that you had with some of the bands you opened with, um, like Skid Row, for example. Yeah. Um, well, most of those bands would come in and and they would do their sound check. We would get to see their sound check, which was you know kind of cool for me being a music nerd. Um, and, but some of them, you know, you know, basically would do their sound check and head out. Uh, the dude from, um, Bullet Boys, Mark was really cool. I remember he was like, uh, he wanted to sit and talk for a minute, which was pretty cool. Uh, the coolest guy that we opened for was Pop Evil. Oh, nice. Yeah. Lee, nice. the sing, lead singer. I remember talking to me after, um, after one of their shows and he was kind of like going on and on about like, you guys got to write a song that like, you know, gives people hope and it kind of. You have to do something that connects with all these people. That's what you know. These you know. That's what you need to write about lyrically, and uh, so that always stuck with me. Um, that he was cool enough to kind of explain it because at the time, it, I was just like, oh, I just want to write some chords and right, that yeah. sound cool. And, and uh, he was like, Yeah, you guys just got, need to really write something that connects with people. And at that time, he had just they had just released 155, mm -hmm. which was their big song at the time, and that was really cool. And I remember their guitar player. I think his name was Davey. He he remembered me. We after we opened for him several times, and, and each time we'd like go stand at the bar and talk. And he was just really cool. So uh, yeah, every once in a while you got to meet some some cool people. Uh, I remember when I first met the guys from Hailstorm. We didn't open for them, but I, I had met them enough times mm -hmm. that they actually remembered my name. They'd be oh hey it's Nick, you know <laughs> stuff like that. So yeah, you know it was kind of. And I remember giving them my CD, and they said they listened to it. I don't know if they did, but. Uh, maybe they know. did. Yeah, maybe they did. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe you maybe you'll be a future guitarist. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. I mean, again, really love those experience you had mm -hmm. and everything. But uh, is there any type of dream band you would want to open up for? Big oh, question. I know, right? Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, to open up a Kiss show would be pretty cool. Yeah, I know. I can imagine <laughs> you open up for Kiss. Open up for Poison or something. You know, I I think um, I've done a lot of the things that I want to do on a music level now at, at that time when i was an eight count my my goal in life was to to make it uh, be a famous guitar player that toured and stuff like that you know whether i had to move to california or whatever i don't care i, I just wanted to that's what i wanted to do and you know like i said that band lasted um probably about five years and uh i was getting to the we we did some really cool stuff we we played like the um uh what's that what's that called the uh WB and fireworks. WB we got to play. Fireworks. Yeah, we got wow. to headline the WB and fireworks okay. down nice. on Serpentine Wall. Okay. Uh, I remember we were playing and uh, fireworks were going off behind us, and we're like, at the time we're playing this song, right? And we hear people go, yeah, 
we're like, oh yeah, they like this song, right? Turn around, like, <laughs> no, uh, they, the they were letting fireworks off. <laughs> but it was insane, man. It was like my first show where there was just a sea of people. It was like it had to be five or ten thousand people that were sitting there watching all at once. It's a lot of people. Yeah, and uh, it was yeah, that was a really really cool show. That was probably my favorite show. That's on uh, YouTube as well. Uh, but that was probably my favorite show that we did. But yeah, so it eventually got to the point where uh, I was getting married. A lot of stuff in my life was kind of going on at once. I was getting married. My daytime job was getting ready to lay everybody off because they were moving to Texas, right? Oh, darn. And like I said, I was I had, I was getting married. That was happening. My job was getting lost, and I was in the process of buying a house. So <laughs> all this like stormed down on me at once, and then I was kind of having disagreements with the band and i just came to a point where i was like you know what i have to cut something loose because you know it's, this is just all driving me nuts so i, I ended up leaving the band i i kind of i didn't do music for a while i think i took a year or two where i didn't do music and that's when you know i got married and bought a house and uh, found a new job and when i was getting married we asked one of the guys at my church named Todd Jefferson if he would want to do our wedding. So we had to do like this marriage counseling uh, going into that. And it sounds like, oh, you need counseling? You already got screwed up? No, what it was was he was trying to, you know, direct our lives into something that was going to stay, you know, be, be permanent, stay, you know. And I'm glad we did because a lot of the things that he would we would go over and stuff like that really helped me probably throughout my marriage without me really even realizing it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but anyways, he, at a couple of times was like, Hey, have you ever been baptized? And I was like, I was like, no, but I don't really see a sense in that. Like just dunking my head underwater. Isn't <laughs> going to do anything for me. Right. And he's like, no, I, I get that. Um, but have you ever like seen what it says in the Bible about it? And I was like, um, no, like send me some stuff. Right. <laughs> so he sent me some stuff. I read it and I'm like, okay, cool. And, uh, so we got back to one of the, another counseling session and he was like, uh, he was like, so what'd you think about the, that stuff? And I was like, uh, yeah, I, I read it. I just still don't feel like, uh, that's what I need to do. Right. And he's like, he's like, well, I don't really care how you feel about it. Oh, <laughs> he was like, what is, what is God telling you to do in the Bible about oh, it? Oh, wow. And I was like, okay. wow. Okay. Um, and, and, that, that, that hit me. <laughs> wait, yeah. That'll, that'll, that'll jab a little, uh, you know, sword in your heart and you're like, oh, okay. Uh, he was like, well, let me ask you a question why not? Why not get baptized? And I was like, wow, that's a good point. Like, I don't have a reason to, um, to not get baptized. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's do it. You know, yeah. I was like, you, you got me, let's do it. So literally after that session, we went up into the church and he baptized me. And, uh, I remember that day going like, I feel like, I feel like something was supposed to like, what was, was there supposed to be something that was like, you know, made me feel different or anything like that. And, and, and I'm driving home and I'm like, Okay, nothing changed, you know. I mean, that's great. I, I guess I got baptized. I guess that was a good thing, right? But later on, I realized what that was is that was the first step in my life that I took that I was actually doing something for Jesus. So it wasn't like I got baptized and I was like, throw all my rock and roll records away and, you know, I'm just going to be straight and narrow from now on. Straight and narrow. I'm no. a Christian. Yeah, <laughs> right. I think, I think a lot of people have a, a bad... I think they have a bad view on what Christianity is. And, it's true. I uh, do agree with that. Yeah. And uh, so I remember, you know, again, that was like the first step of me doing something for Christ. And, and I, I got to this point in my life where I was like, you know, everything I do, I want there to be a reason. And the reason needs to be that it's for something for Jesus. So I got to mentally in a spot where I was like, I want to be in a band that is a Christian band, that is going out there trying to win souls over for Jesus. So I seen this band playing at the underground. Uh, again, again, more underground yeah. stuff, ladies and gentlemen. Crazy, right? Is the underground just not a good place to go? No, it's a great place to go, but it, it, it's not around anymore. Yeah, I'm kind of sad about that. I heard it's a good place. I've always wanted to go there, but yeah, yeah, too bad. So, uh, so I went to the. I think someone invited me. I think it might have been a friend of mine named Cheryl invited me to go check out this band that was playing there called War of Change. And I remember watching the show and I was just like, holy crap, this is amazing. Like, A, the singer was really, really good, really good frontman, really good storyteller. The drummer was uh, really good, could sing, was playing acoustic guitar back on the drums. And I'm like, man, who is this? And then they I ended up having uh, Noah Henson from Pillar 
uh, playing guitar with them. And I was like, man. And they were like wearing makeup. It's like uh, like Alice Cooper style makeup. Oh, nice. Kiss makeup nice. kind of stuff. Yeah. So I was like, oh my God, this is like exactly what I would want to do. So I remember writing them afterwards like, hey, if you guys ever need, you know, a guitar player, you know, let me know. I'd, you know, I'd love to play with you guys. Um, and a few months went by and uh, I think they kind of broke up and then they got back together and I ended up joining them, their band as a bass player. And uh, our first show was at JD Legends in Franklin. And uh, so we played a show there. And then I think we had um, we had a couple other shows lined up. I think that was the only show we did as that lineup. But anyways, guitar player that ended up playing with us was a guy named Mike Oakley, who was the general manager of the, bo- of, of the underground. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Yeah, and he is one of the greatest guys in the world, right? He's just salt of the earth. He's a sweet, sweetheart of a person. Uh, then Mick Blankenship was the drummer and, uh, he, he ended up wanting to be like the lead singer or something like that after, after the original singer left. So he ended up being the singer and, uh, we, we ended up going on and playing a few more shows. We played one at the underground opening for, um, a band called red and, uh, the place was sold out. So I, I literally, my first show was, you know, the underground probably in front of 80 people. And I think the last time that I played there was in front of 800 and something people. <laughs> it was pretty cool. It, a lot of a lot of these like things in my life I've noticed just come full circle. Yep. You know. Well, you got to realize life is one big circle. Yeah, yeah. I guess we're going around in a big circle, aren't we? On this right. planet, right? So yeah. So I, I we ended up you know doing that for a little bit. That band kind of broke up. Um, went and did a couple other little projects that that didn't really take off or anything. So I found myself again not doing music for a little bit. And uh, Mick Blankenship, um, that was around the time when Stone Temple Pilots was trying out singers via like online. You would send in your submission of, of a lead singer. Well, I guess he was trying out to, to do that and asked me if I would want to do um, a, a tribute band called uh, an STP tribute show. Oh, right? yeah. So I've seen those guys uh, live uh, yeah. once. Um, they, they were really good. Um, the weather was not very good. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, under the circumstances, they pulled it off well. Uh, Mike sounds really good. He sounds like the lead singer, actually. Really yeah, well. Mick. Yeah, or uh, Mick. Yeah, I yeah. always call him Mike. I don't know why, but, uh, yeah, really good show. Good, yeah. good band. He he does SCP really good, and um, he asked me to do a show with him at Bogarts, and I was like, yeah, that would be great. Let's let's do that. So I learned a bunch of STP, bought a Les Paul, uh, and uh, tried to look like Dean DeLeo. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And uh, so we did that, and uh, it was a good show, which led to another show which turned out to be a very successful show. Um, we titled it Grunge Night and got a bunch of other grunge-style bands and played at uh, at Bogart's, and the place hit capacity. Um, I guess it's only done that like a few times in Bogart's history where it's actually hit capacity like that, and that was one of the first times, or, yeah, one of the first few times that it happened. Nice. And uh, so it, we ended up getting like this kind of a run with Live Nation venues, we would go to Detroit, Cleveland, Louisville, and uh, we kind of, you know, had this thing going with this grunge night thing. Well, uh, it was a lot of fun. We did a lot of really cool shows. Uh, every show we did at least had like six, seven, eight hundred people at it. Um, so it, it was it was really cool. It was a good experience, and uh, that ended up leading to. Um, I remember when I was in STP two, I remember thinking, man, I want to do this. I want to do a. Tri- I started learning the business side of it and why this was working and stuff like that. So I started to think like, how could I do this but do it bigger and in like a in a more theatrical kind of a way, but then also do it music that I specifically am a huge fan of. Right. Because I I mean I like STP I like grunge music it's okay but it's not like the stuff that I'm gonna be driving down the street listening to on a normal day. Right. So. I just started thinking like how can I how can I do this and, and make it big? So and, that's when I started developing the ideas for the band I'm, that I have now, which is that arena rock show. Right. And uh, I've seen you guys several times. Yeah. Um, you guys uh let me and backstage hang out with you guys, which was really cool by the way. Thank you for that. Um so what what led you to that? Like how did you decide to come up with that band and like what was the idea? What what came to you? Yeah, so I, I had seen a couple tributes like the Prince Experience is what I think they're called, uh, Gabriel Sanchez, and they would do this thing where they would like 
their character throughout the show, the Prince character would kind of like keep changing and, and wear different things. And like, I think he had like a scene where he was in a bathtub at one time. I think he was basically <laughs> recreating the purple rain movie right. live on stage, which that's, I was like, that's, that's pretty that's, genius. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. So I, I seen that and I was like, you know, I, I feel like that we could do this with like seventies and eighties rock music. Cause all those bands were so flamboyant and you know, they just had this larger than life type thing about them and their videos were huge. So I was like, you know, I need to find a group of guys that could pull it off. So I ended up, um, I ended up handpicking everyone that's, that's in the band. And, and uh, I kind of want to talk about each member yeah. because, um, yeah, I know all the guys. I know the story for the most part, uh, like you told me before. Um, you found T-Bone um, over Facebook, seeing yeah. him do some karaoke. Someone shared a video of him singing, I think it was a Led Zeppelin song, and I, I clicked on it, and I was like, man, who's this guy? And I went to his Facebook profile, and I seen he was like 20 or 21 at the time. I'm like, holy cow, this young dude singing this stuff and singing it this well. So I was like, man, I got I to gotta hit this guy up. Well, he ended up actually coming to one of the STP2 shows that we had over at River's Edge in Hamilton, Ohio. And, uh, and I remember seeing him and his mom and his dad standing in the front row. And after the show, they came up and I was like, hey, man, you're the Led Zeppelin guy. You, you, I remember seeing a video of you singing some Led Zeppelin. And, uh, you know, we just I think we ended up talking on Facebook a little bit after that. And I ended up asking him to come over. Yeah. All right. And then that's when T-Bone came in as the T-Bone character. You kind of came up with that. T-Bone character kind of evolved. We, uh, <laughs> right. I, I, I remember the first time he sent me a picture of him wearing a wig. Um, he had a beard at the time, but he <laughs> had this wig. It looks nothing like what you see now, but it was like the first... Uh, you know, incarnation of what the T-Bone character was going to be. This is the pre-T-Bone. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I don't remember how we how we came up with the British accent, but um, that dude can that dude can role play that like nobody's business. Yeah, he can. <laughs> he, he's, every time I hear him talking, you know, I I don't take it personally, but I always feel like he has an ego. I know it's just that's his the, character. That's the character. Yeah, I, I know it's just his character. But every time I hear that, I'm like, that's the that's the is... thing about. Tristan is, if he does have an ego, he doesn't show it. He's the most easiest laid back lead singer I've ever had to work with. He is. And, he's very laid back. Good guy. Yeah, I, I love him to death. He's a he, great guy. Yeah. The whole idea, actually, the whole idea with the characters in our band is was to kind of play off stereotypes, right? Like the lead singer is like a you know a drama queen, egotistical. Um, he thinks he's better than everybody else. You know what I mean? Uh, which is Tristan is, is completely the opposite. The opposite he's actually that. not he's like not that like at all. That. No. So um, he plays the character really funny and well on uh, on uh, on screen and and on stage. But uh, and then of course it leads up to uh, um, Ryan, the drummer. Yeah, Ryan. Um, we haven't really messed with his character very much, but uh, I, I've known him. Uh, played in quite a few bands with him, or uh, I've played in bands that. He was also on our sh on the same show in other bands, right? Okay. Yeah, and uh, you know, me and him, I would always was I always thought he was a really good drummer, always fun to watch. And uh, I think it was during the War of Change time he seen War of Change play, and he was like, "Hey, if you guys ever need a drummer, you know, let me know." So I, I you know, I thought about that, and then when I was going to put this together, uh, I, there actually was another drummer that was kind of lined up to play, and I uh, had to back out for for certain reason. And um, Ryan, I messaged him, and he's like, "Yeah, I'd love to, you know, come out." So we ended up having him come out, and he's been stuck with us since. <laughs> I totally love how he says his name. Yeah. I'm Ryan Rocket, and what do you do? I am the drummer. <laughs> Very simple, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's a, he's a cool guy, really good guy. Yeah, we haven't dove too much into like the character aspect of him online quite yet, but we will. He he's just uh, he's not super into the being on camera type thing you know he, he likes to be behind the scenes behind the scenes like even on his drums like i think you can barely see him like he, he's just not that guy he doesn't want to well i think he should be lucky i only got two shots of him yeah yeah so, but he's got go. a cool drum kit yeah. so and oh. he's a killer drummer oh yeah really good drummer i love his drum licks um and then of course it leads up to uh getty yeah i seen him at the underground again uh i was so come full circle remember i was telling you i was in rosewire and we were in a battle of the bands right that same battle of the bands i was now a host like 10 years later oh, nice. and eli ended up being in one of the bands that i was kind of judging 
And I was like, man, that guy's really talented. He's a good guitar player. Just seems like a really cool guy. And, and we would talk after the shows and kind of kind of hit it off it just as people and, uh, you know, ended up being uh, Facebook friends or whatever. And uh, so when I started to put this together, uh, there was another situation where I had a bass player lined up and that bass player didn't end up uh, wanting to stick around. And I called up Eli. I was like, hey, man, would you have any interest in playing bass? And uh, he was like, sure, you know, I'll give it a shot. So I was like, oh, cool, because this guy, he just seemed like a really cool guy. And that was kind of one of the things I wanted with this band was just everyone was just cool and easy to get along with mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And uh, so, yeah, he ended up playing bass for us for a little bit. And then um, we needed a lead guitar player. And he he was like, hey, would you care if, you know, they were, we were actually going to ask an, uh, another guy to play lead for us. And, and he was like, hey, uh, would you care if I gave it a shot? And I was like, no, I would love that. That would make life a little easier. <laughs> it's a lot easier to find a, a bass player than it is a lead guitar player, especially that, that true. a lead guitar player that has a good head on his shoulders. So he was like, yeah, give me, give me about a month and I'll, I'll, I'll have these songs down. And he came to the first rehearsal uh, where he was going to be playing lead guitar and it was just like, whoa, you, you've got this. You've okay, got this. Then. He is such a team player, such a talented kid, and uh, definitely a blessing to have in a, in a you know, being in a band with him. Yeah. All right. So then El Getty, you know, again, like you said, great guitar player, pretty yeah. easy going too. And yeah. I love his, the look that he gives off too. Yeah. He's yeah. got a cool look. Yeah. That's natural too. He doesn't have to, I have to put makeup on and like, you know, <laughs> do my hair and all this kind of, this dude just walks out of bed looking cool. <laughs> <laughs> Cause he's born cool. That's why. Yeah. He was uh, born cool. And then of course, him doing the worm, which is always yeah, weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know why he does it, but it works for hey. you guys. I'm yeah. Just like, there he goes. Yep. Yeah, he, yeah, I remember the one time he he's like, "Hey, would you care if I did the worm during my bass solo?" And I was like, "No, I'll go for it, man." <laughs> the crowd always erupts when he does it, so you know, I uh, I love it when he does it. So, so um, going from there, you guys have now a new member named Jack. Yeah, Jack. He's he plays bass. Um, I I played with him. Um, I went out to L.A. and played the show. Um, at Nam, which is like a music convention place, and Jack was the bass player of that band, and I, I just thought he was really cool. He was really talented. He could sing, and um, so when we needed a bass player, I just shot him. He was actually the first person I wrote. I said, "Hey, would you have any interest in playing bass for us? I mean, I know you're gonna have to put on a wig and kind of dress up, and you know, it's a tribute band. It's not an original band." would you have any interest in that? And he was like, absolutely. So I was like, oh, that was an okay. easier sell okay. than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, he, uh, he's been, he's been a really, a real blessing to our band kind of um, lit a new fire underneath all of us with him coming in. Mm-hmm. He's just really positive and um, he's like, he wants to help out, which is, is really cool. It, uh, it, it's very cool to have somebody that wants to make help make videos or help, book shows or whatever and, and that's kind of how he is so. well he he really brings out a good energy yeah, to the shows. yeah. i mean when i very talented. when he came out you know strumming that solo and everything mm. and just yelling out yeah and i'm like look at this guy go. yeah get a good shot yeah yeah keep yeah. going so yeah. he's a very talented kid and I'm, I'm really enjoying being in uh having him in the band so yeah, yeah definitely now yeah, you, so you got all the members. You got most of the characters down for the most part. Yeah. Um, there's also um, you. I didn't really mention that yeah. your character is Nikki Star. Yep. Um, and I, I think I have mentioned that you know you kind of got that from Kiss and uh, Motley Crue because yep. Nikki and Star and all that. Yeah. Um, what kind of, like, what kind of inspired you to have that name with both bands going on? Like, how did that? Yeah. Come so to you? in the past, like when I was in Eight Count, I went by uh, I went by the name Nikki T. Right. Um, so when I was doing, when I started this, I was like, that'd be kind of cool to go back to using the name Nikki. And then uh, I was like, what am I going to do for a last name though? I, I need something cool. And I didn't want it to be super cheesy. So I was like, uh, you know, I started trying to think of names and I, I some one, one day came upon Nikki star and I was like, Oh, that, that kind of works. And I think I shot it to the other guys. Like, what do you guys think of this? And they're like, Oh, that, that sounds great. Um, and then my character is kind of a, um, we haven't played off of it too much, but mine's kind of an airhead. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like I say ridiculous stuff that makes no sense or well, uh, it kind of makes sense because uh, yeah. I remember asking you a question of asking your name and you were like, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, and then exactly. Tristan was all like, Nikki yep. Stark, yeah. imbecile. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> T Bone's always supposed to think I'm an idiot. That's kind of our the character that we've come up with on with between me and him. But uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun to kind of play off that. But then I um. I just kind of put my look together. Uh, I, I started off not really knowing what to wear. And uh, I think I came across the polka dot shirt from when I was in STP2. Dean DeLeo wore a polka dot shirt. And he did that um, in a, video, a music video. And uh, I liked it. And I was like, oh, man, we need, I, 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 should, I should wear that for the STP thing. So I did that for the STP thing. And then I was like, maybe I'll just wear that for the That Arena Rock show, show because... I seen Paul Stanley wearing a polka dot shirt like that once, and I've seen Nikki Six wearing a shirt like that once. So I was like, kind of goes hand in hand. Like Nikki Star is kind of a cross between them, anyways. So um, that's kind of how I got the polka dot shirt. Nice. The stars and stuff that are on my stuff are obviously from the Star last name, but uh, Paul Stanley has a jacket that has stars up going down his arms. Right. Yeah. So that's where I I got that jacket from. And also, I notice every time you perform. Um, I noticed a little bit of the uh, Paul Stanley uh, dance. That's what I call it. Yeah. So actually my character on stage is literally my inspiration behind that is Paul Stanley. Um, I, I am naturally drawn to the way that guy performs in general. Uh, it's actually a cross between him and um, Brett Michaels. Brett Michaels has this way of making you feel like you're, you're like super important in the crowd. Mm-hmm. So I try to do that to people like in the crowd. I try to make them feel like I'm paying attention to them and, uh, you know, money and time to stand where they're at. And I just, I, I think it's important to make sure that everyone in the crowd feels like they're important. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, like I said, Paul Stanley is just his, his entertaining style. I've just always been enamored by, so it just right. kind of comes naturally. Well, I can definitely tell you do care about the crowd. You know, I've seen two good examples of that. One example was you brought a kid up to the stage. Yeah. Um, I actually gave her a pick. You, you tossed a pick and she oh, yeah. missed and I grabbed it for her. And it's like, here you go, kid. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, and then, of course, the one example, you had that girl destroy that one guitar. Yeah. That yeah. was pretty cool. I, it was kind of different. I was expecting you to break it because that's what you usually do. But instead, yeah. I saw her and I'm like, okay. Yeah. Um, one of the coolest things and probably the reason why I do this band is because of the people I get to meet. So I, I've my entire life music is how i've met pretty much everyone i know uh whether it's my wife or whether it's people i play in a band with or uh just even some of my better friends like i met a friend of mine named jason satterfield uh he was at a show that i was playing and i was like man i see you at like every freaking concert i'm at right so uh long story short we became friends and we go to shows together all the time we go out of town to see shows and uh you know he's one of my one of my good friends and it's all because i've seen him at concerts um so music and bands and 70s and 80s rock bands in general have, have played a huge part in my life but back to what i'm trying to say is like the the people is probably my favorite part because if i didn't have a band like this i'm i'm usually just a guy that just sits in my house and doesn't want to go out just kind of wants to hang at home and and a real reclusive type person right so it's really cool to be able to meet some of these people and get to know them and get to know their lives and and you know some of them share the same you know interests like you for example uh you know like the same kind of music and you know i, I know a, a guy i met at we played in dayton a while back his name was john he was wearing a kiss psycho circus shirt huh, nice. and i was like oh cool man were you at that show and he's like yeah i was like well that's the first concert i've ever went to so we were talking about the show we were talking about kiss and man he's been he's been following our band since and him and his wife and uh you know some of the greatest people they literally just brought me uh package for to our last show with like a bunch of gifts with a guitar pick in it a cd and it's just like it's amazing to me uh just playing in a, a band doing something that i love brings joy to other people and, and then i'm able to connect with them and and be friends with these people um so emma was the girl that i brought up on stage to smash our guitar that guitar mm. and um she wrote us a letter um probably maybe four or five, six months ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. Wrote us a letter on our, our Facebook and, uh, and it was just really touching. Like she was telling us like how, you know, we affected her life, like our band affected her life, like in a positive way. 
you know, it, again, it's like just a goofy little band that we we enjoy doing this, <laughs> and somehow it it helped her in some sort of a way, and uh, it just meant a lot to me. So I was like, the next time she comes to the show, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring her up on stage. I never told her. I never told her. I was like, I've always thought like when I when I'm doing stuff on stage is like. What, what would be cool if I was the person in the crowd? Like, what can I do for somebody that, that I would think was kind of cool if I was in the crowd? Mm-hmm. So that, I had my wife go grab her during, like, one of our last songs, and uh, uh, she had no idea. And I, I when I, I do, like, five swings, right? So the first four I did, and then I walked over to her, and I said, hey, here, here it's your turn. And uh, <laughs> she thought it was really cool. So um, it's kind of cool to be able to, to do that kind of stuff, you know? Oh, yeah. Bring me on stage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, maybe I'll sneak up on stage and say, I'm with the arena guys. And then T-Bone will be like, get out of here. Freaking nerd. I'm just kidding. Uh, but, you know, I really enjoy your stories, man, with the, all the bands you were in, the Arena Rock Show. And yeah. I'm glad the band is still getting the good success that it deserves. I'm glad yeah. you guys are making it big. Um, you know, I hope you guys keep on continuing and keep on, keep on. Yeah. But uh, I have one more question. Um, how are you going to make this next show you guys are going to be? better than what the last was so that's always our our goal is um to not get lazy and we don't want to just keep giving the same exact show so we're gonna we always try to to include either a new song or if we watch some of the tape back on some on something and say like ah this didn't sound right like we we come to rehearsal the next week and fix it um and then you know we've we've got our skits that we do during the show but we also try to make everything else kind of random so you know when we're moving around on stage or whatever um but so we're always thinking of new ideas new skits new new things and um i think this one this next show we're playing jd legends we're going to do a couple new songs and um one of them might be a skit so if not we're going to do that at our next show that i think i'm safe enough to say that will be uh october 17th at riverfront live Oh, wow. It's going to be a Halloween show. Nice. I've been to one of the Halloween shows you guys did. Yeah. I saw Captain Hook. Which we're also going to add different stuff to that show to make it a little different. Um, and some theatrical ideas that we've got. So mm-hmm. uh, we're always just trying to top the last show to be better and, and come up with new things to make the show better. And Well, I know, yeah. you, got, I know you guys are doing a good job of that because my mother... She's seen you guys twice, and she said that you guys were better than last time. Oh, awesome. So take that as a good compliment because it's hard compliment. to impress my mom. Yeah, I mean, after this pandemic, we weren't sure how people were going to, you know, respond. Were they going to be like, you know, because, you know, remember they had to sit down and they were in like right. far away and stuff like that. So we were like, I don't know if we don't know if they're going to respond the same way because they're used to being all up front and like rocking out and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So we're like, we don't know how it's going to go. And I've heard several people say that was like one of our best shows we've done. And it was like, whoa. That's cool because, you know, we did put a lot of hard work and time into it. Um, but to me, every show pretty much feels kind of the same, you know. Right. You just go out there and you just have a good time. And uh, I think what I think what determines if I had to go back and think of a favorite show, it probably relies on, like, the business side of it. Like, mm-hmm. uh, my one of my favorite experiences was when we played Bogarts for the first time. Um, the The goal, you know, was to sell it out, hit capacity, right? But we had a month to promote it, um, and the venue was only expecting like three or 400 people that night. Well, it ended up getting like 1,250 people within like, you know, an hour or two of the doors being open. And it was a huge success. And I remember sitting in, in the backstage room and got a text from a friend that said, Hey, are you, is the venue at capacity? Because I can't get in. They won't let me in. And I was like, What? Oh my goodness. And, uh, so I text the guy. I was like, are we at capacity? And he was like, yep. And I was uh, like, oh my gosh, dude, uh-oh. this is so cool. Oops. But I was like, I felt bad for my friend that's outside. <laughs> I said, just wait there because after, you know, certain bands, you know, people might might go and then you can come in and that's kind of how that works. And so he ended up getting in and everything. But wow. But wow. Yeah. I remember me, Tristan and Eli standing there. We all like got like hugged each other like, oh my God, we did it, you know? <laughs> so it was really cool. Because, and that led to a lot of really great things that got us, you know, in a lot of different Live Nation rooms. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 been a, it's been a lot of fun. And like, I always set these goals of different things I want to do. And hitting capacity at Bogarts was definitely one of them. And uh, 
we've done it a couple times now. So it's pretty cool to uh, set goals and actually achieve them, you know, so. Well, definitely, man. I definitely congratulate you on all the success you've had yeah. with the band, and I hope you continue to keep having that success, and hopefully you can continue to, uh, I don't know, push me around if you want. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> yeah, absolutely. I enjoy doing the podcasts with you, and um, who knows, maybe you'll uh, do some more backstage interviews with the band uh, at some of these shows. <laughs> One day, I'll, I'll end up interviewing Brett Michaels. There you go. Hey, you never know. That would be cool. You know, with the podcast, you know, we do a podcast called That Arena Rock Show, the podcast, and it's on our That Arena Rock Show page. And, uh, you know, we just get on there and we talk music, you and me, and and we hope that uh, we'll be able to bring on other people and who knows, maybe celebrities sometime. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. But uh, anyway, we got to get going here. Yeah, yeah. I'll let you go. But anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, show, uh, this interview with uh, Nick Tyree, a.k.a. Nikki Starr. Um, I'm Seabass from Rockin' with Seabass. If you want to know more about that Arena Rock Show, check them out on their Facebook page. It's called the Arena Rock Show Army or that Arena Rock Show. Also, their concert's coming up. It's going to be, what, September 19th? September 19th, it JD be... Legends, and October 17th at uh, Riverfront Live in Cincinnati. And I hope you guys take care and keep on rocking. <laughs>